A snowy winter night. And a nightmare Uber driver. 2020 starts right now. Do you remember the moment you saw that gun? How could I forget? Come to County 911. Please hurry up. Pow, 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 pow. There's a crazy man out on the shooting spree. Developments in that horrifying massacre, an Uber driver. 911. We all love hailing a car with a nap, but the truth is, you really don't know who's in the driver's seat. Who could have ever imagined that these strangers' lives would forever be connected because of an Uber driver? The suspect walks up closely to the victims and shoots them point blank. No, no, it's not them, it's not them. And I said, yeah, it is. I just kept telling myself, God, you're gonna make it. You can make it. I almost died, and my mom was a basket case. When the devil comes! And we just kept asking him why, and then finally he says, well, if I told you, it would blow your mind. A devil head popping up in your Uber app? Evil visited a place that we thought that we might be insulated. Warm all across West Michigan, everybody heading up to the 40s, and some may even touch 50 today. February 20th, 2016 was just a normal day. Ordinary people doing ordinary things. Friends and family hanging out together. I was going out with some friends that night. I had worked the night before, so was working 12-hour shifts, which allowed me to sleep most of the day. It was just a normal day. <laughs> this is an ordinary day in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and the lives of these ordinary people are about to intersect and be changed forever because of one man, Jason Dalton, the Uber driver. We all love hailing a car with a nap. It's easy, it's convenient, but the truth is, when that car shows up, you really don't know who's in the driver's seat. Uber driver under arrest. A driver accused of raping his passenger. We're stepping into a vehicle of a total stranger who could harm you, who could wreck the car. And so there's an inherent vulnerability to these ride-sharing programs. Fire 911. When an Uber passenger places a request, it gets routed to a nearby driver. And as soon as they accept it, they go drive to the passenger. And that passenger will actually see the picture of the driver and they can follow along on their route as they drive to pick them up. It's 421 in the afternoon, and Uber driver Jason Dalton is picking up his first ride of the day, Matt Mellon. Uber had just come to the Kalamazoo area, and he decided that was a way to make some extra money. To raise money for a vacation. He was new to Uber, was just learning how to figure out the app. They had good reviews of his rides. This one ride would unleash eight hours of terror in Kalamazoo, and we've been covering this story for years now from the very beginning. Matt Millen was going to pick up his car after leaving it the night before at a friend's house. So he picked me up here. Do you notice the names of the Uber drivers when you get in there? I mean, sure. I mean, I always look at their photo. Right. Do I pay much attention to that? Not really. 
Matt was one of the first of many people whose life would be affected by Jason Dalton that day. He did have a dog in his back seat. So I sat in the front seat because the dog was in the back seat. Jason took his dog for a walk before he started driving riders in the Uber. So he hopped in you know, and he started off on the route. At this point, everything was fairly normal. He did receive a telephone call and he took it over the Bluetooth speaker. It was one of his children. How long did that phone call last? It was rather brief. I would say maybe two, three minutes. His son calling, wanting to know if he wanted dinner. It was dinner time. He hung up the phone and things changed. Then out of nowhere, it was like he was dealing with a completely different person. That's when he slammed the gas pedal. And then boom, we were off. How fast do you think he was going down the street? His pedal to the metal, probably 75, 80 miles an hour down this road. I was bracing for impact, basically. Jason is running stop signs. He's speeding through traffic. And Matt is in the front seat thinking he might die or that their car is going to get T-boned. He wants out of that car. He was worried that he wasn't going to make it home. He wasn't going to see his family or friends again. He was terrified. I was pleading for him to stop at this point because it was like, you just hit that car. And he's like, I didn't hit any car. Is his tone normal? Is he sort yeah, of conversational? Yeah, yeah. He, was, he... he was rather calm. He was like, what's wrong with the way I'm driving? As he's going 75 miles an hour. Yeah, swerving in and out of traffic, yeah. We were going so fast, we just blew right through this. At one point, I even thought about hitting him. I was like, oh, there's my friend's street. There's my friend's street, which obviously it wasn't because we blew past it. You're just trying to get him to stop anyway. Yeah, yeah. Basically, I was pointing out random houses. And I was like, oh, there's my friend's house. There's my friend's house. There's my friend's house. Finally, he like slammed on his brakes. I heard this loud screeching noise. And our neighborhood is normally very quiet and very subdued. It, there's not really any traffic. So I ran out into the front yard. The silver Chevy Equinox came screeching to a halt and a door flew open and like this guy does a tumble roll out of the car. And I couldn't tell if he had been pushed, shoved, or he actually jumped out of the car. I see this driver, dark, heavy rimmed glasses, crazy gray hair. He looked very agitated. And did he immediately take off again? Yeah. Yeah, he burned his tires out. It was like, call 911, call 911. And at that point, I was also dialing 911. I was just in the car with my Uber driver. He was weaving in and out of lanes. He sideswiped the car. And hey, what kind of car is it? A Chevy Equinox. Did you want to talk to an officer, or you just want me to put out an alert over the radio? I wanted to just, I just wanted to report it because I don't want someone to get hurt. I, I understand I what you're saying, but I need to know if you want to talk to an officer or if you want me to have an officer, you should be on the lookout for it. I just want to be on the lookout. And okay, thank you. People call in erratic drivers. There's not much that the police can do unless the police witness that vehicle driving erratically themselves, which unfortunately in this incident, the officers did not see that vehicle. Millen uh, did not wish to be contacted. If there's no complainant, there's uh, not much that the police can do. When I got home, that's when I filed through the app and contacted Uber, which was like via email. Back in 2016, believe it or not, there was no way for a user to immediately call a human at Uber in case of an emergency. Who exactly is this Uber driver, Jason Dalton? What do we know about him? 
To me, the most remarkable thing about him was how unremarkable he was going into February 20th. Jason, by all accounts, was a fairly gregarious character. He was an insurance adjuster. He was an average person with a nine to five job and a family. He's a father like so many other Midwestern fathers, posting pictures on Facebook, and you, you see him there with his wife and their kids on the couch. They've been married for over 20 years. You see him on what seems like a pontoon boat and also playing in the snow with his kids. Just seemed like a normal, nice guy. Jason grew up in Indiana. He moved to Kalamazoo during high school. He was the co-captain of the football team, and he had pretty good grades throughout high school. I was the best man in his wedding. He could make conversation with just about anyone. He was not afraid to speak his mind, but definitely not out to ever cause anybody trouble. He liked to work on cars. He liked to figure out how cars worked, but he also liked guns. There was a break-in that had occurred. I believe someone stole some of his prized tools, and it really bothered him. It's what he said what drove him to start collecting guns. He owned several weapons, but not a number that would cause you to just go, oh my gosh, he had 15 guns at the house. Those guns were all legally owned. There was nothing to prevent Mr. Dalton from owning any of the guns that he was in possession of. Uh, I think you're going to find in this community and many others, I don't think his ownership and the number of guns was anything unusual, I, frankly. Now, before Jason Dalton had taken Matt Mellon for this incredibly unusual ride, Jason Dalton's day had been completely ordinary, at least for him. He met a friend, and during that afternoon, him and his friend visited a couple of local gun stores, which was typical for them. When Jason Dalton goes to the gun shop, he buys both a holster and a jacket. He was upbeat. My manager talked to Jason. Jason was very friendly with him, smiled, laughed, gave him a little one-arm hug as they walked towards the cash register. My manager told him to have a nice day, and he turned and smiled and said, I'm going now to enjoy the weather, and that, that was it. After Matt was able to escape from the wild ride with Jason Dalton, Jason Dalton then went home. He ended up going home to his house and retrieving his weapons. At that point, we know he had a Glock 19, 9mm. Jason also put on a bulletproof vest. He gets back in his Chevy Equinox, and he's off to pick up passengers, except this time he's packing heat. He's off to that faithful route where he's going to intersect with so many unsuspecting people. And we often say things can change in a second. And in this case, changed like that. Please hurry up, somebody fire shot. When he activates his Uber and he starts picking up, that's when the horror begins. WCXK Kalamazoo. The weekend is here again. Clouds tonight, 35. 46 right now, working our way up to a high of 53. Kalamazoo, where it's at in western Michigan, is just about halfway between Chicago and Detroit. It's sort of a bigger town that still has a small town feel. Kalamazoo City contains a lot of businesses, a lot of restaurants. About 100 polar plunges are thawing out tonight after jumping into Turk Lake this afternoon 
The attraction to Kalamazoo, Michigan is that it is a safe Midwestern town with those Midwestern values. The cost of living is good. You can buy a nice house, live in the country if you want, but you're close to the city. It's one of those ideal towns where parents dream about raising their families. It's not the kind of city where you would expect Jason Dalton to go on a rampage. February 20th, I remember so vivid. It's like one of our first warm days, maybe in the 40s, and the snow was melting. It was the break from the winter. Deanna Carruthers, a 25-year-old mom, she had one daughter. I just remember happy, smiling, laughing. That's what the sun does to you in the first warm days here in Michigan, you know? because you never know when the sun might be out again, <laughs> for sure. Tiana's afternoon, and in fact, her whole life would change when Jason Dalton's route would cross her path in that parking lot. That day, things started to seem to unravel a little bit. After Matt, Dalton goes home and he retrieves his weapons. What is so unusual about this is that Jason Dalton, after having this terrifying ride with Matt Mellon, goes back to driving Uber as if nothing happened. The fare that had called for a ride, her name was Macy. At the time, I was 15. Macy ordered an Uber at the Meadows apartment complex. Jason got the call, so he headed over. The Meadows is a Typical Kalamazoo County condo apartment complex with a parking lot. A lot of families live there. Kids are outside playing. People are walking their animals. And so when Jason showed up, he was looking for the picture he saw in the account, but he didn't see her. He was calling me and telling me, like, saying I was giving him wrong directions and was getting upset with me and then had hung up on me. And I just kept texting and texting, and I was like, are you there yet? Tiana Carruthers lived at the Meadows Complex where Jason Dalton comes to pick up his next fare. Talk about being in the wrong place at the wrong time. That was Tiana Carruthers. I was in the house just finishing up a workout, you know, <laughs> trying to get fit for the summer. And my daughter was with some young ladies. And they came in like, Mom, 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 uh, we really want to go over this girl's house named Joy. Can we go over her house? And so I was like, okay, I'll walk you over there. We'll go meet her mom. I had Joy, Kanaya, Dorje, Adriana, Selena, and myself. Snow's melting and you cross the street. Yes. Do you remember what you were talking about? Oh, we're just talking, laughing, and then all that ended when I saw this car just speeding. Now, right as they're about to cross the street, Tiana and those kids, Jason Dalton pulls up. He just instantly was right in front of me. Like, I was this close to this man. And I just remember a dog barking. Wouldn't stop barking. He saw Tiana, and he approached her, rolled down the window, asked if she was Macy. He has kept asking me that. Are you Macy, are you mad? I said, no. And I said it quite aggressively because it was like, you're driving crazy. Now, at this point, he seems really angry because he's having trouble finding his fare, this person named Macy. 
He speeds off after I said no. We continue to walk, but at the time I still have my eyes on him, like just, you know, paying attention. He turned the car around, drove back towards her. I saw a car and it was coming fast, but yet slow motion in my head. Took the Glock Model 19 out of his pocket and as he got even with her, she saw him pull the gun. Do you remember the moment you saw that gun? How could I forget? And I told the girls, run, no matter what, you run and do not come back. She had no idea that she was looking into the face of a man who was going to commit these horrible crimes. And if I just keep moving, if I just keep moving, if I just keep moving, then he just continue to shoot. It's this sunny, unseasonably warm day in Kalamazoo, Michigan, but Uber driver Jason Dalton's day is only getting darker. He's just pulled this gun on Tiana Carruthers, this mother who's just trying to shepherd these children across the street. I'll never forget his face. I'll never forget the pain that I saw in his eyes. I'll never forget the anger that he had. She saw him pull the gun. After I realized the kids were fine, that's when I made a decision to just start running. He starts shooting and shooting and shooting again and again and again. I just kept hearing bullets. Just bang, 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 bang. 15 rounds. I was shot four times. I didn't feel the bullets right away. It was like a bee sting at first. I ran to the door and everybody's just kind of screaming, someone got shot. Kalamazoo County 911. Hello, I need an uh, ambulance. Please hurry up, somebody fire shot. Then uh, like nine, 10 gunshots right outside our apartment complex. We need someone here. Okay, over on High Meadows. <laughs> For one split second, I was like, this might be it. Try to get under a car, but then when I realized, if I just keep moving, if I just keep moving, if I just keep moving, then he just continue to shoot. So I leave here, and I pretended that I was dead. And I just kept telling myself, God, you're going to make it. You have no other choice. You're going to make it. And I just kept telling myself, I just hope the children are OK. Lord, please, I can never forget myself. Just make sure that they're OK. I thought it was like maybe like rocks or something like hit the siding. And that's when I like checked out the window when I saw a car speeding off. When he pulled off, I figured it was okay to call out. And I just started screaming, are the kids okay? Are the kids okay? And then I, I, I heard a woman. She wanted to know about her kids. She was coherent. And then I heard more voices. A bunch of people just like came out and started like helping her. 
And they were like, are you okay? Are you okay? I just kept telling them I wasn't going to respond to any of their questions until I knew that the kids were okay. Please don't move. They coming, okay? Please don't move. We got the kids. Please don't move. I've never met her. This was the first time, and it's the wrong way to meet your neighbors. She's very lucky, and those kids are very lucky, too. You physically blocked some of those bullets from where those kids were going. You took those bullets with your own body to protect them. Yes. If I didn't, and one of those children were hurt, I don't think I could bear a child losing their life. Would I do it all over again? Hell yeah, I'd do it again. Without a doubt. Township, how can I help you? People. Okay. Dispatchers are fielding those panic calls from the Meadows are now starting to see similarities between those calls and the call made by Matt Mellon just an hour earlier about that erratic Uber driver. Both of these reports are of a man driving a silver SUV with a dog in the back and he's driving erratically. That's just too crazy that the vehicles are similar though with a dog. The 911 dispatchers called Matt Mellon back. Hello? Hi, did you call earlier about the Uber driver? Yeah, yeah, he picked me up from my house. Did you guys catch him or? Uh, no, we were just trying to see if he was involved in another incident. Okay. okay? I, um, I have his name from Uber. It's Jason. I did send her a picture, I remember that, um, of him, because I took a screenshot of his, of the Uber profile and I sent it to her with his name. It appears that there was a missed opportunity in this case where law enforcement maybe could have stepped to Uber early on to identify and locate Jason. But for now, Jason is still on the road. Tiana is raced to the hospital in serious condition. I remember just being in and out of consciousness. A lot of things are blurred. Those bullets have fractured both of Tiana's legs, her left arm, and another bullet actually entered her liver where it still is. When you feel something moving in your body, as a woman, you remember your baby growing inside of you and that's supposed to be a great feeling, but a bullet trapping in your body was not what I ever would imagine that I would have to go through. I remember being so angry because I couldn't walk, you know, was, I was like a child all over again. In a newsroom, you're always listening to the scanners. You're always monitoring the scanners. Township 13379 in units. Just be advised, county's taking a call of one individual shot. High Meadows Drive. Female down. She's been shot several times. There was, you know, a report of a shooting. The initial shooting involving Tiana Carruthers, we didn't hear anymore. So that pretty much went, you know, by unreported. Jason Dalton, during his getaway, ultimately strikes a vehicle nearby, runs a red light, he sideswipes a car. I was headed north with my wife. We were going to a place to pick up some ice cream. He came out of nowhere. He just came out behind the other cars that were parked waiting at that red light and ended up hitting me. Come to County 911. Uh, hello. Uh, I needed an officer to come out. I was just involved in an accident where a guy ran a red light and hit me in an intersection. 
The Equinox was still operable, but it had some very obvious front-end damage to it. It would have been easy, especially for a police officer to identify if there had been a bullet on the news that we're looking for a silver Equinox with front-end damage. It was very unique. He wanted to switch cars at this point. Jason called his wife and asked her to meet him at his parents' home. He gave her a gun, said, I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do, but when you watch the 11 o'clock news tonight, you'll know that it was me. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. Do you find yourself searching for true crime podcasts that are different from what you're always recommended? Do you want to make a real difference in the cases that you're following? Well, you're a crime junkie. And I'm Ashley Flowers, the creator and host of the number one true crime podcast, Crime Junkie. There are hundreds of episodes already available, and each Monday we dive into the details of cases spanning from some of the most infamous to those that you have never heard covered before. Listen to Crime Junkie podcast now, wherever you're listening. After Jason Dalton shot Tiana Carruthers, he then sped off, driving erratically, sideswiped a car, and then went and met his wife at his parents' house. His parents spent time out of state, and they weren't home at the time. He starts having a conversation with his wife, which she thinks is very strange, completely out of character for him. He told a story to explain the damage to their vehicles. Told her that he was being shot at by cab drivers and made some statement that they don't like Uber drivers. He would not look her in the eye. He refused to look her in the eye. He was acting paranoid. He went into the house, retrieved a Taurus handgun, and tucked it in her waistband and said, you need to, you need to keep this on you. He also told her just to stay with the kids and not to leave the house. He said, you can't go to work on Monday. You can't take the kids to school on Monday. It was totally out of character for him, and she was bewildered. She didn't know what was going on or why he was talking that way. She had never seen anything like that from him. He said, I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do, but when you watch the 11 o'clock news tonight, you'll know that it was me. I don't know that there was anything that she could have or should have done in that moment. Looking back at it now, it, that's the place where you say, I wish she would have done something different. And then he left. Originally, there was a Humvee at the home that he wanted to take. However, when that car wouldn't start, he took a different car that belonged to his parents, a dark-colored Chevy HHR. He was now in this dark-colored HHR. So now the person they were looking for who was involved in a shooting in this silver Equinox wasn't in that car anymore. 
throw so many switches, guns. The gun at the Carruthers scene didn't work perfectly. He took that Glock Model 19 and he left it on his workbench and he grabbed the Walter 9mm and went back out. He took some Uber rides. So he's already shot this woman. He doesn't even know if she's alive. He probably assumes she's dead. And he's picking up people and dropping people off. Just think about that. Some of his riders said really the only thing that was unique about their ride was they're keeping an eye out for a silver Equinox, and here comes a guy in a dark HHR, and he says, oh yeah, I'm Jason, I'm the guy you're looking for, sorry I had car trouble, something like that, and they get in the car. One passenger said that he was listening to the radio and singing along. Being one of those people in that Uber, can you imagine what that would have been like for them? I can't, I can't even, it's just something that you would never in a million years think of. And all around Kalamazoo, unsuspecting families have no idea what Jason Dalton is up to or that he could pose a danger to the community. We're talking about families like the Smiths who are about to have their own encounter with Dalton at a local car dealership. When you think of people who live in Kalamazoo County, you think of the Smith family. Mom Lori, Dad Rich, son Tyler, daughter Emily, close-knit, very tight family. Rich, he was the life of the party. My brother and my dad, their personalities were identical. They were super close. Tyler was 17. He was a soccer player. Very carefree attitude. You know, thought that nothing could touch him. When I first met Alexis, you know, his first true love, they were just inseparable. I told him, I said, Tyler, don't you dare break her heart. She is a sweet girl. He realized, yeah, you're right. Tyler and Rich Smith were headed to the Kia dealership to look at trucks. My brother wanted to have a vehicle that he could take up on the dunes. I was out with friends and my phone battery had died. I ended up getting sick and not feeling well and so I went home and I went to bed. When Rich and Tyler went to the car lot to look at trucks, his girlfriend Alexis stayed in the car in the back seat. Rich and Tyler started looking at the trucks that Tyler had been looking at and wanted to show them. Can you imagine being a 17-year-old and going to a car lot with your dad and that excitement and how happy they were? What an exciting time this was for them. Jason Dalton has just dropped off some passengers when he spots a father and son checking out some trucks and he zeroes in on them and starts heading their way. 911, where's your emergency? Hi, we're on Business 94. We passed the um, Kia dealership, and we just passed with somebody shooting a gun at two people lying on the ground. It's been about four and a half hours since Jason Dalton shot Tiana Carruthers, and at this point, he's actually been picking up other passengers. He switches cars, he switches guns, he meets with his wife, and now he's pulling into a local car dealership. The used car lots and the car lots are lit up. 
It's a very busy intersection, and it's a pretty popular dealership. It's considered a safe area in Kalamazoo. And Tyler had gone out looking at trucks during the day, and then he was going to go back and show Rich them. We hated dealing with car salesmen, so we always went after hours. Richard and Tyler Smith at the Sealy Ford on Stadium Drive, under a bright light, looking at a Ford F-150 pickup truck. It's this electric blue color. It gets your attention as you're driving by. And they're there with Tyler's girlfriend, Alexis Cornish, who's sitting in the car. I don't know anything about trucks, and it was cold outside, and I was tired. So Tyler and Richard are looking at the trucks when Jason Dalton pulls up. Jason gets out of the car. Uh, this was different from the other scenes. He walked up to Tyler and his dad and asked them what they were looking at. They turned around and were like, the blue truck. And that's all the words that they got out at that time. Hi, we just drove by the Kia. Um, what, what road are we on? A 94 business, um, and a guy just shot some people in the parking lot. Jason Dalton walked up to them and then started to shoot and shoot and shoot, round after round after round, until he had shot each of them. 16 shell casings on the scene. One shot nine times, one shot seven times. They fell down. And that's when I ducked behind the seat so he couldn't look at me. That's the most terrifying thing in my mind. And Alexis Cornish hiding in the back seat of a car, wondering how many seconds she had left in her life. The Range Rover parked, headlights on, sitting there. Jason Dalton is just steps away from Alexis. He went to look at the black vehicle, and he went to try and open the door to that vehicle, and it was locked. He turned around and walked away. She didn't have a cell phone, so just think, would her glowing screen have called attention to Jason Dalton? Her life was spared that night. I got out of the car and looked around to see if I could see any shadows. And then I went and grabbed Tyler's phone out of his pocket and called 911. 911, there's an emergency. Um, yes, my boyfriend and his dad just got shot at the Fury Auto Group. Are they on the ground? Yes, and they're not moving. Okay, stay on the phone. Yeah, I gotta get officers in route. Okay. I'm at an apartment complex, uh, literally less than a half a mile away across the street from the scene of the incident. With my overhead lights on, emergency, I responded to the scene and arrived less than a minute. Just to advise, we do have a witness over at the Burger King parking lot. Did you see uh, who the person was that was shooting? Uh, no, it was a, I just turned because we heard gunshot. We could see the, see the smoke from his gun and hear it as we drove by. Well, we have several officers on the way. Okay. Okay, the police, one police officer is just pulling in. In my head, I'm mentally preparing myself for a real shooting, possibly a suspect still there. I pull in. We got two right now on the ground. I moved on to checking for if there's any signs of life, checking pulses, 
obviously still keeping in mind there may be a suspect in the area. Um, and I'm by myself at that point. You know, sometimes when you're by yourself, it feels like forever. After I identified that the victims were deceased, I saw uh, a female on the phone in the back seat. Is the officer out with you? Um, he's, he's right here. Is this you in here? Yeah. Okay, where's, where else is here? 1819 with 711. Okay, where's the suspect? Where's the people that shot him? I don't know, he ran off somewhere that way. Okay. We have two uh, down, I have one female in a vehicle, a Range Rover. Stand over by the vehicle, stand over by the vehicle, okay? Last direction is the suspect. When officers arrived, the female was immediately patted down for weapons. A lot of times, callers are suspects. We treated everyone as a potential danger. I don't know where he came from. He came like, from over here. He was like, like, he was like, he was like, she was very, um, very calm, but you know, she wasn't panicking, but she was in shock. Did he come from in the building? I don't Jason Dalton has just shot Tiana Carruthers. He has also just murdered in cold blood this father and son, Tyler and Rich Smith. And now he's back out there on the loose, and no one knows where he's headed. And I'm going to need, need uh, two units on scene at the dealership of Bright Folks to go to the Kena. I was probably the fourth or fifth officer on scene here. I knew that my job when I got here was to get the dog out, and uh, we were told that he left on foot, so my job was to track him. He could have went either way around the building, Brooke. Was it easy for your dog, Bodie, to pick up the scent? Yeah, actually it was. We, uh, we, pet, we locked onto the scent relatively quickly. Uh, the odor was still fresh. It, was not, it hadn't been that long since the crime had occurred. And where did it lead you? We tracked basically from where the victims were found, and we went right past the Kia dealership. The track ended there. We assumed he got into a vehicle. You know, being able to take your son to a car lot and dream about what could be. When I think about that and uh, what happened, it's just it's really unbearable to think about. The police officer got there, and so he's like, I'm sorry, ma'am, but you're... Um, husband and your son were shot and they didn't make it and then I just screamed and then um, I had to tell my sister my twin sister I said you know the father and son that were shot at Sealy and she just started freaking out <laughs> and she's like no no it's not them it's not them and I said yeah <laughs> yeah it is It was incredibly cold-blooded. A father and a son shot a teenage girl hiding in the car. And then 15 minutes later, a call comes in, multiple shots at the Cracker Barrel parking lot. Shots fired, Cracker Barrel. It was a madhouse. People were terrified. Kalamazoo is a city with low crime. And so imagine, as this crime spree went on and on, police were just overwhelmed. The terror must have been enhanced because, at first, everybody was looking for the silver Chevy Equinox. Correct. 
And then it's a Chevy HHR. Two it, completely different vehicles. Police say that they didn't know that the scenes were connected. People were panicked. What is going on in Kalamazoo County? There's a serial killer going around, and they don't. And the big question everybody wants to know is why? What could possibly explain this? He starts talking about the devil and red and black, and then he says something you're not gonna believe. It literally took over mind and body. The Uber app? Yes. When the devil calls, I'm gonna ride that train. Hi everyone, I'm investigative journalist Kylie Lowe, and I'm here to tell you about my weekly podcast, Dark Down East. Each episode, I take you to my home in New England, where we truly get to know the people at the center of the cases we dive into. Join me and dig into some cases you won't hear about anywhere else. Listen to new episodes of Dark Down East every Thursday, or check out the extensive catalog of existing episodes now, wherever you listen to podcasts. When the devil comes, he activates his Uber. That's when the horror begins. All of a sudden, you know, you hear pow, pow, pow. If I just keep moving, then he just continue to shoot. The alleged gunman is an Uber driver. How do you go from being a normal man, no criminal history, to killing all of these people in one night? You're thinking, well, there's going to be another shooting. Why? Just why? I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do, but when you watch the 11 o'clock news tonight, you'll know that it was me. It literally took over mind and body. The Uber app? Yes. I just tapped it. Okay. And then there was like a devil head that popped up. The devil head. How is that not madness? When the devil calls, you better hide the It's been about five hours of terror in Kalamazoo. Jason Dalton has shot a young mother. She's fighting for her life. He's murdered a father and a son. And just minutes later, five more people are shot. Kimsey County, 911. I'm at the um, Kalamazoo Cracker Brown. and there's been gunshots in a, in a car. Okay, well, has anybody been hit? Two cars have been shot up. I had just laid down in bed when my cell phone went off that we had a quadruple homicide. County units, shots fired, cracker barrel, multiple shots fired into a car. Pulled in and saw two male subjects waving me down, trying to get my attention. They were pointing over to two parked vehicles, which ended up being the two victims' vehicles. Anyone hurt? This is the third shooting that day, and it's a tragic ending to what had started out as an ordinary night for a group of old friends. Mary Lou Nye, Mary Jo Nye, Judy Brown, Barbara Hawthorne, and a little girl who considered Barbara her grandmother, Abby Koff, had gone to a live performance at a theater. Abby was around a lot of older women. She would hang out with Barb and all her friends. She was adopted by Barb as a grandma. Barb would take her to card games or to her sewing class or whatever. Barbara Hawthorne was a retired worker from Kellogg's, a cereal maker. Mary Jo Nye was a school teacher, and her sister-in-law, Mary Lou Nye, was a retired employee from the Department of Motor Vehicles in Michigan. My wife made a heck of an apple pie. Nobody's ever made one better as far as I'm concerned. 
Judy Brown was a caregiver for senior citizens. She took care of older people. They met at the Cracker Barrel, had dinner, and then they took one car, because my wife didn't like driving anymore and she had to. So after having a wonderful time together, the women and Abby returned to the Cracker Barrel parking lot. Mary Lou Nye was in her van. The other women and the girl, Abby, were in the car. Jason Dalton drives up and opens fire on Mary Lou Nye in her van. The women respond, you know, are hysterical. And then that's when he opened fire on the other car, shooting all of them. And so you go up to the cars and what do you see then? Uh, I saw uh, one victim in the driver's seat of the minivan. And then I saw, th I saw three subjects in the sedan. Ma'am, ma'am, you guys okay? And that's when I heard Barbara um, talking to dispatch on the phone, so I ran around to the right side. I'm on the phone with a victim. She did not have any information. Elderly woman. And then that was when uh, KDPS Officer Brooks arrived on scene. So, Trooper Denae is talking to Barbara in the back, right? He's trying yes. to help her out. Yes. At what point do you notice that there's something actually living alive in the front seat? Sergeant Nielsen comes up, and we both happen to look at the same time and see there's something moving. He opens the door and sees Abby in the uh, floorboard of the car. Hello? Hi. Hi. Hello? Uh, we see that she has an obvious gunshot wound to the head. We knew that we needed to try to stop the bleeding and try to preserve as much as we could so that we could package her up so that when the ambulance got here that we could get her on their way to the hospital. I believe we put her on the first ambulance, um, got her out of there right away. All right, Barbara, we're gonna bring you out, okay? Barbara was still talking with us. She actually tried to help herself out of the vehicle. Um, wow. We gotta get you out of here, my dear. We gotta get you out, okay? She was actually still conscious and talking when I turned her over to the ambulance staff. One child is on the way to the hospital, probably gonna die. My aunt called me. She asked me if I heard from Barb and Abby, and I said, no, I've tried calling them, and I haven't. And she said, well, there's a crazy man out in Kalamazoo on a shooting spree. My heart sunk because I kept texting them, and there was no response. Kept calling her cell phone, leaving messages. I tried calling my sister's cell phone. And of course, on both phones, I was getting just straight to voicemail. We had cell phones from all of the victims. And like we always do, we had removed them and set them on the roof of the car. And I still remember to this day, all seemed like they were ringing at the same time. Did you guys see him leave the scene already? I saw the, it was a black HHR, dark blue HHR, flew out of here. Surveillance video from both the Cracker Barrel and that car dealership show that the shooter is driving an HHR. What police don't know is that he is the same person who was called in as the erratic Uber driver in the silver Chevy Equinox. And Jason Dalton continues to go on and drive his Uber and pick up passengers throughout the night. The house phone rang, and it was about mid about quarter to midnight. She said, well, we're from Bronson Methodist. She said, I, I'm trying to find the parents of an Abigail. And I said, her mother, I said, what's, what happened? I said, what's going on? And, and that's when she told me she was shot in the head. 
Her comment was that you need to get up here as soon as possible because she's not going to make it through the night. Breaking news coming in out of Kalamazoo County right now. After the shooting at the Cracker Barrel, that's when the live news coverage begins as people try to figure out what's going on. Police have responded to reports of a shooting here at the Cracker Barrel. Currently we have three dead here and two that are uh, being treated for life-threatening injuries at Bronson. As I was falling asleep, I saw that there was a shooting. And then within a half an hour, we got a phone call. They, they just said, come down. We have Barbara at the hospital. We need you to come down. Jane drove 90 all the way there. About a half hour drive. Ran almost every red light. We made it towards the hospital, and they had the hospital locked down. It was already such a random series of events. How do you know that this shooter, if you live in that area, isn't going to show up in your street, on your street, and start shooting at you? So people were afraid. They weren't letting people in. I said, I was called down here, you know, to, to see my aunt. Can you tell me what she's here for? And they said, well, she's been shot. And there was no, there's no story in my head that would lead to Aunt Barbara ever getting shot. They walked us up to this room in the uh, ICU. And that's when I saw Happy for the first time. Couple hours later, she flatlined. Then they tried to do uh, CPR, and um, that was horrific to see. We told them to let her go. If it was meant to be, it was meant to be. At that point, we started to say our goodbyes. I was holding Abby's hand, and I looked right at Abby and I said, Abby, if you can hear me, I said, this is Mama. I said, if you can hear me at all, I said, give me a sign and she squeezed me. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Very tense situation. In Kalamazoo County, multiple people have been shot and killed. Say definitely a serial killer. We have multiple crews on the scene. Suspect could be a white male in his 50s. At this point, we know that there are multiple shootings. There are still questions. Is this one person? What's the connection between these women in the Cracker Barrel, a father and son in a car dealership parking lot, and a young mother in the parking lot of her condominium complex? Everyone was starting to really panicked. People were panicked. What is going on in Kalamazoo County? We know this is terrifying. All the police that are possible to collect are on this tonight. That fear and panic in the community is not at all unreasonable because what they don't know is that Jason Dalton is back in his car and he's picking up passengers again in their streets. We just asked the public to be extra vigilant, not approach this individual. It's a Saturday night in Kalamazoo. People were out eating dinner at bars, planning to take an Uber. And as this is going on, shooting after shooting after incident, word starts to spread. 
My dad said the guy was driving a Chevy HHR and the car said a Chevy Equinox. We were like, I don't know, maybe it could be him. I know, I just had this gut feeling. I was like, I shouldn't get in the car. They didn't get into the car with him, but other passengers did. And they later told the media that not only did they ride with Jason Dalton, but they asked him point blank if he was the shooter. Like half-heartedly joked at him and said, you're not the shooter, are you? And he said, no. And I said, are you sure? And he said, no, I'm just really tired. My buddy Scott actually said something to him. He said, hey, this wasn't the HHR. You're not the guy, are you? And he kind of just said no. What seems so unique about this rampage is that Jason Dalton seems to toggle between this murderous rage and just calmly driving his Uber passengers. The reason that law enforcement hasn't yet caught up with Jason Dalton is because they haven't yet made the connection between the rampage shooter in the dark HHR and the erratic Uber driver in the silver Chevy Equinox. This was a cold-blooded killer an active shooter that was on the loose. You're thinking, well, there's gonna be another shooting. Yeah, that was our fear. We put out a BOL, uh, be on the lookout for the suspect vehicle. White male, probably HHR, they said. I assigned the guys that were working for me to start monitoring the downtown district on any given night. There's hundreds of people out walking around. Well, while I was online, I went, started checking the, looking at the Kalamazoo news. And that's when I started reading about a shooting at the Cracker Barrel. It said so many dead, one person, one injured. And I was just hoping that Mary was the one that was injured. Going to the show that night turned out to be the last outing for this group of friends. The four women were shot and killed. I turned on the porch light and sat in that chair until six o'clock in the morning or whatever it is when the state policeman showed up to give me the official news. Your mother was just shot and killed. Well, I was numb. I still trying not to believe it. The doctor comes in and it's just like the movies. They come in and say, you know, well, I hate to tell you this, but your hand's dead. It was very surreal. Abby's surrogate grandmother, Barb, has just passed away. And in that same hospital, little Abby seems to have given up on life. And her death is reported on live TV. Unfortunately, the uh, other female teenager, 14 years old, has passed away as well. They unhooked her from the ventilator machine. And they started hauling stuff out of the room. And they put a blanket up almost to her neck. And um, at that point, we started to say our goodbyes. And I had my head on her chest, and I told her that I loved her. And so I heard something, and I told the nurse that I thought she had a heartbeat. And the nurse came over, and she checked her, and then at that point, the nurse said, holy and She was smacking buttons on the wall, and people were flying back in, and they had her all hooked back up again. And so it was actually in saying goodbye to her mm -hmm. that you actually realized she was still alive. Yeah, and at that point I was holding Abby's hand and I looked right at it and I said, Abby, if you can hear me, I said, this is mama. I said, give me a sign. And she squeezed me. I knew right there she was back and that she was going to fight like holy hell. 
It has been eight hours of complete terror in Kalamazoo. Jason Dalton has killed six people. Two others are clinging to life in area hospitals. But what Dalton doesn't know is that now, police are closing in on him. You start to patrol again, and around midnight, things start to heat up. I had contacted a friend of mine, Sergeant Harrison, and him and I were talking, and he says, I think I found him. I heard radio traffic advising that he is following a black HHR that just left one of the bars downtown. It sounded like they were coming right at me, and within minutes, I saw the black HHR come towards me and followed by Harris. I believe he was the eighth or ninth black Chevy HHR we had stopped that night. The vehicle turned onto Ransom Street, at which point Harris activated his emergency lights, and I pulled in alongside him and activated my emergency lights. When he came to a stop, he just sat in the vehicle. Well, K-9 Bodie and I got up behind Sergeant Harrison. We got out to the side in case, for some reason, he decided to flee on foot. You had no idea whether or not he would start opening fire on you? Absolutely not. We just assumed it was going to be a shootout. The police were expecting the worst. I pulled right next to Harris, so we were side by side. You want to yell at him? Windows down. Driver, stick your hands out the window! Right, bro, what you want to do it? All right, ready? We approached the vehicle. I stayed as a cover officer while Harris made contact with the driver. He got him out of the car and he started to frisk him. Anything you think your pockets at all? Gun. 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 Stuff him up. Look here, we got one in custody. One weapon off of him. He's caught in the Chevy HHR with the gun that killed the people at the Cracker Barrel and at Sealy in his pocket. We placed the handcuffs on him and I found a bullet in one of his pockets. He surrendered to them peacefully. I can't believe he didn't come out shooting. He didn't fight us or want to go. What a f***ing thing. I am surprised that he didn't want to go at it with public. Look at that would be suicide by the cops. Straight leg turning, sir. Put your arms back up. Yeah, both of them. And then we put him in a patrol car. Body armor? Jason Dalton is now headed into the interrogation. And these detectives probably think they've heard everything. But not this. Now this Uber thing where it takes you over. I know this sounds unusual to you. It was like he was a puppet. So Jason Dalton now sitting in this squad car arrested after this shooting spree and he's headed to the first of two police interrogations. I know you've been searched but just for protocol we just have to search you again and all that okay? They are trying to figure out why this happened. What was the motive? You're Jason, correct? Okay. How does he react to you? He was very uh, soft-spoken, very average. How have you been treated? I've been treated okay. Jason Dalton's demeanor was docile, I would say passive. What would you like to do right now? I, I'm not kind of just whatever you guys are gonna do. The real key in getting people to talk to you is getting them to feel comfortable. And the police start with a, you know, a very mundane, sort of nice approach, get them talking. You seem like a pleasant person. Well, thank you. And I appreciate you being nice with you, me too. It's, it's not our job to be rude. No. I mean, we're, we're human we're too. We're human just like you. We try to then start with the beginning of his day. How much sleep have you had in the last 24 hours? I think. I've been going for probably more than 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Just, uh, is that normal? 
he was not aggressive at all. He just chose not to answer some of our questions. Do you know how many people you killed tonight? I would like to just plead the fifth. Okay. He keeps pleading the fifth. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to give you particulars. Um, what would you like to talk about in here? I really don't want to talk about anything. But as time goes on, he becomes more comfortable. Once he starts to finally give investigators specifics of what happened that day, he starts talking about this pivotal moment he had with his first passenger of the day, Matt Mellon. Once he has Mr. Mellon in the car, he starts driving erratically. Mr. Mellon obviously is getting extremely upset. And I accelerated out the West Main Hill. And it was like, and I, I made this corner and I hit a car. Each detail is important because it's another piece of the puzzle in this entire crime where you have multiple crime scenes. And a turn, squeal, and then it's like, come to a complete stop. And then he bails out of the car. And I'm like, you got to your destination, sir. And then I just, I just took off as fast as I could go. He drove into an apartment complex and came across a black female. I reached in, I grabbed my clock, and And I believe that I dumped the whole magazine there. I know I killed her, and I, I don't even. Why do you Why do you assume that you killed her? Because how could you survive that many gunshots? And what's so bizarre about this interrogation is that it seems that Dalton is marveling at his own handiwork. And there was absolutely no emotion. There was no fluctuation in his voice. The Glock jammed. During that? During that. And I cleared the jam to finish. As he goes on, he reveals details that we did not know previously. Such as when he approached Mary Lou Nye at the Cracker Barrel parking lot. I walked up to this lady and asked her, asked her if she could spare a dollar to make America great again. And she told me that she didn't have a dollar to spend. And I shot her. Mm -hmm. I remember that I shot a small person in the head. When you say small person, what do you mean? I can find a child. He didn't express any remorse for anybody else. I'm not a killer, and this is what I'm, I, and I, I, and I know that I have killed. Yeah, you understand that, you know that. That's the odd part. He said that he's not a killer, but he knows he's killed. During the course of the interrogation, police spent a lot of time trying to get Dalton to explain to them why he chose these particular victims but Dalton said it was all random. What's the connection between all these people? Is there any any connection for you between any of these people? No. We just kept asking him why, what what happened, what, what happened in your life to make you do this? And then finally, after a long pause, he had quite the response. If you guys only knew, okay. you, it would blow your mind. My name is Harry Campbell, and I'm the founder of The Rideshare Guy. It's a blog, podcast, and YouTube channel for Uber and Lyft drivers. 
I've heard a lot of stories from people out on the road, but never anything as crazy as what Jason Dalton told the police. Is Uber at UBER? Mm-hmm. You just recently been joined up with them. Yeah. Am I okay to talk? Yeah. About what happened? Yeah. Obviously the goal of these detectives is to get to motivation. What drove Jason Dalton to commit these crimes? The one thing that no one in this entire country will ever forget is a killer who says he was motivated by an Uber app. I know that you guys are going to have a hard time believing this, but it literally took over mind and body. The Uber app? Yes. It made no sense to anyone that the Uber app would take over him and force him to go on this shooting spree. This is the app as it looked in 2016 when Jason Dalton was driving for Uber. This is the driver app, right? Yes. He remembers seeing uh, the symbol of the Eastern Star, and that started this whole thing. Are you talking Eastern Star like the Masonic Eastern yes. Star? Okay. You know, Jason Dalton talks about the Eastern Star. Yeah. I mean, could this have been the Eastern Star? It's a hexagon. I mean, it is a hexagon. I don't know. I guess this part, I think, really looks like yeah. part of the Eastern Star. These are stars, right? I mean, or they're, they're triangles, but... I think it's kind of like one of those part. mind games where you see what you want right. to see. I really didn't even see what the... what the sim, I, I just tapped it, and then there was like a devil head that popped up. There was some sort of, like, horned, horned head, like a cow head or something. And I pressed that button, and that's where... Unbelievable. Nobody believed him. Jason Dalton talked about seeing a devil somewhere. Mm -hmm. You have any idea what he was talking about? So this is actually the Uber logo at the time on the passenger app. To me, it looks like a U, but I think to Jason Dalton, it may have been the devil horns right here at the top. Jason's not the first person to come up with this a, a totally absurd justification for killing someone. Now this, this Uber thing, when it takes you over, um, I know this sounds unusual to you. No, I... As his story went on about what he said happened, he said the Uber app changed from red to black and that he got an assignment. So it was like he was a puppet. It was red when I first started. Okay. It switched from red to black. Okay. And it's in that, in that black mode. Yeah. It literally has control of you. What's he talking about? I'm not really sure. <laughs> I wasn't believing any of it, but if it's something that's going to make him talk, you're not going to want to shut him down. And then it would do little blinks at me. The phone one? Mm-hmm. And then I didn't understand what those signified. Well, what does it signify? I believe that one ding means yes, and two dings means no. In terms of what? What it wants you to do. When you get a request from a passenger, you hear a dinging. So there's no one ding or two ding. It's a Place dinging again. noise. It'll keep dinging for 10 or 12 seconds unless you tap the screen to accept the ride. He said he was hearing these sounds coming from the phone, and he said that was the reason why he did not shoot the police officers. When they pulled over, I almost reached for my gun, but then the phone went beep, 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 and I reached over and I tapped the phone to stay locked in. It was weird. He says the app went from being black back to being red. 
Okay, so when the, the officer stopped you, it felt like the, the whatever yeah, it was. That's the reason why I didn't um, shoot him. Yeah, exactly. The minute that the, the app went from black to red, it was back. I had my presence. Do you think he was making it up as he was going along? I have no idea. How do you go from being a normal man, no criminal history, to killing all of these people in one night? I remember both his mom and dad just crying, saying, we just spent Christmas with him and he was fine. And how can this happen? Many people, most of us, I suppose, have some homicidal ideation. We obviously don't act on it. To get from thinking about that to actually doing that, there's usually some event, some trigger. Did Jason Dalton have marital trouble? Not that we were aware of. Did Jason Dalton have any known emotional trouble? Not that we were aware of. None. Criminal record? Nope. Zero. Financial problems? Not that we know of. Was he an extremist of any kind? There's no evidence of that. In my view, there's nothing obvious to sort of, that stands out. Can you really sit here and say, what caused Jason to do that? And I think the answer is, we just don't know. So is using the excuse as an Uber app a way to be thinking, I'm gonna have an insanity defense? Uber app? Was he that smart? And I think the detectives also thought that, that this guy is teeing the ball up of, I'm not in my right mind, and I might be able to get out of this. The problem is, he's so rational throughout the entire interview, he basically blows his own cover story. For Jason, the next step is facing a judge in court. His victims are gonna have to figure out how to move on. And she walked in and said, honey, you were shot in the head. And I went like this and touched it, and she said, don't touch it. survivors, a 14-year-old girl. Abigail Kopf, still days after the shooting, there was very little hope that she was going to survive. She had a plate put into her head because her skull was blown apart. There were so many ups and downs in her recovery, but then... <laughs> Sweetie! <laughs> Here's this little girl. Can you wave? doing rehabilitation at the Mary Freebed Hospital. Go ahead. Ugh. And we see her lying in her hospital bed with that smile and then seeing the images of her learning to walk again. Good job. Good. She was shot in the head. And this little girl refused to give up. I almost died. And my mom was a basket case. She sat by my bed the whole eight days, five days. However long I was in a coma. Every minute. She just sat there and waited for me to wake up. Did she smile when she saw you open your eyes again? Was it a happy moment? I remember her crying with happy tears. Are you crying? Yes, I am. And then a couple of weeks later, I said, what happened to me? And 
the doctor said, don't sugarcoat it. And she walked in and said, honey, you were shot in the head. And I went like this and touched it. And she said, don't touch it. And the bullet shattered my skull. She cried and she didn't say anything at that point. And a couple hours later, she'd ask me again, what happened to me? Because she couldn't remember it. She couldn't retain it. Did you have to go through the same reaction of her? Yes. Absorbing each, each, it and crying? And... Yeah, each time. Are your memories from before the shooting foggy? Yes. Especially my past. I got on younger. It's long gone. I asked about Grim Barb. When I found out she was shot, I almost lost it. I did lose it. What's your last memory of being with Barb? Her hugs. She had the best hugs and the best laugh. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here. And I miss her unconditionally. Every single day. Have you watched any of the news with, uh, and seen Jason Dalton? Yes. Every time I see him, I flip him off. I can't stand him. Sometimes I like to trade places with him. It's where he could have the gunshot wound. And I could be normal but not in jail. The first time I was going to court, I, I wasn't ready. It was an early hearing. All the emotions were still very raw to everyone. From the moment he sat down, and I, I was just a few feet from it at the time, you could tell there was something not right about him. Miss Carruthers was afraid. She was going to walk into a courtroom and face a man who had shot 15 rounds at her, who had changed her life forever. May it please the courts, people would call Tiana Carruthers. I tried to prepare myself, and I was telling myself, you can do this. You know, you have to do this. I was the only one who really talked to this man. And if I was going to put him away, then I needed to step up and do what I needed to do. And I was like, he has no control, but he, he had the control at that time. And then what happened? I seen him coming, and um, I, I um, saw it. Oh, you never get your cars. No. They gave bags, these old people, they had these old oh. black bags. They're called, they're black, they're black bags. And people drive around and you look at them. It gets real, like, hey, it's time people look. And then that's when to tell people it's time to get the temple. You don't need to go to your attorney, right? Yeah, you need to get the temple because you need to get going because it's called a 10-day practice. Be quiet, please. Proceed, okay? Yeah. So, Miss Crothers, are you okay? Or do we need to take a minute? Jesus! Jesus! It just took me back to the playroom. Took me right back there to that moment. And I I just broke down. It became obvious that he was at the very least trying to emotionally terrorize a witness and, and very properly and very quickly the deputies removed him from the courtroom. talking about some obscure things like black plastic bags and the old people and yeah, it seemed exactly. sort of these 
ramblings of a madman. It seems awfully convenient, right? If you put him in a situation where now he can say some nonsense that doesn't make any sense and that'll support this idea that, that something's going on. So he exploited the moment. I think so. I agree. For someone to have lived a completely normal life for 40 plus years, and then in one day do everything that is counter to what normal, sane people do. How is that not madness? Whether or not it's an act of madness or the act of a sane person is different from the legal standard of what makes you criminally responsible for your actions. The fact that he changed cars, the fact that he changed guns, the fact that he put on a bulletproof vest, that shows that he knew what he was doing. That shows that he knew his actions were wrong. There is no other way of defending this case other than for him to make up some story about mental illness. He has zero history of mental illness. This isn't how mental illness works, that you have a sudden onset where at five o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday, February 20th, you become overwhelmingly mentally ill and unable to control your actions, and then it turns off at midnight and you surrender to the police and it never happens again. That's not how this works. As the trial date drew nearer, there was anxiousness. Is justice, you know, going to be served? Then the prosecutors get a call that no one was expecting, a shock to everybody. I've wanted this for quite a while. As the trial date drew nearer, there was anxiousness. What's going to happen? Jury selection begins tomorrow in the murder trial of Jason Dalton. This trial is about to start. And then suddenly, what everybody had been expecting, that Jason Dalton is going to somehow try to plead insanity, goes away. I think he was influenced uh, these last few days by his family. I was surprised and a little bit shocked because I was getting all of our material ready to go to trial and I got a text from the prosecutor's office. Doing this voluntarily of your own free will. Yes, I've wanted this for quite a while. How do you plead? Guilty. We did not expect a guilty plea from Jason Dalton that day, but he pled guilty. Psychological professionals had examined Mr. Dalton and did not find that he met the legal standards. Interesting, so Jason Dalton might still think that he had been controlled by the devil Uber app. However, his attorney said that's not gonna hold up in court because nobody believes you. That's certainly possible. You, Jason Brian Dalton, you're sentenced to a period of life in prison without the possibility of parole. I reported on lots of horrible things, but this is one, the sequence of events and these families and these victims, it'll stay with me forever. I've lost the woman I've married for 41 years, and I lost my little sister. You are nothing but a pile of worthless evil. Worthless. Why? Just why? Were you mad? What kind of a person walks up to a father and a son and shoots them over and over and over again until they don't move? I've tried to hate you. I've tried to hate you. I pause, replay, and relive every single moment. You tried to kill us all. 
you failed. I'm standing here, right here, in your face, in front of you. How does it make you feel? Look at me. How does it make you feel? Just look at me. Look at me, please. Why? That is only going to be known to you and to our Creator. Where are the answers? We know there are victims. We know an Uber app is blamed, but it is frustrating. Why did this happen? We may never know. What we do know is that Dalton says it all started with an Uber app. Uber tells ABC safety is a priority. Now, when you're taking an Uber, you can reach 911 directly through the app. There is also the option for users to get live help from a safety agent. But the ability to reach someone directly in case of emergency was only put in place two years after the shooting. Could it be easier if, if there were a reason? It would make me feel better. I don't understand why it was me. Why it had to be me and why it had to be Grand Barb. We both didn't deserve it. She always wanted to go on a hot air balloon ride. So I took her ashes to Sedona and went in a hot air balloon and left her out there in the desert. So she's right where she wanted to be. We always believed that she was going to outlive me. We made discussions what to do when I died, but we never really contemplated what I would do. I don't want to go grocery shopping because I end up picking up things, forgetting that they're not here. And so it's just painful. We don't want them to be remembered by, oh, that's the people that got killed by the Uber driver. I want them to be remembered, oh, those are the two loving, caring, compassionate people that were taken way too soon. Him gunning me down, it doesn't define me. Tiana now, I'm strong. Stronger than I ever could imagine. They say Kalamazoo's strong. This is a community, you can knock us down, but we're gonna get right back up. resilient town and we can tell you tonight that Tiana Carruthers who you just saw there was a finalist for the Congressional Medal of Honor's Citizen Award for her bravery her heroism in shielding those children from Jason Dalton's bullets a hero's honor and a reminder for all of us during this holiday season to keep your families and your loved ones close and to cherish them every day thanks so much for watching I'm Deborah Roberts and I'm David Muir from all of us here at 2020 and ABC News good night